Happy New Year. Welcome to a new year on The People's Show. Hope your holidays have been fantastic. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, provide, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet? What are you waiting for? Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Bick Nazar here with you, Dom. Victor, behind the glass, running the show. You get involved as well. New year, things don't change. People show, you are the people. Coming to you, coming to us in the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber, three stores to serve you. In Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Haven't had Dom on the show in a while. Uh, How are your holidays, man? They were fine. I'm glad to be back at work. Just fine. Just fine. Um, it's a good I, holiday. I so see they the, aren't bad. I see in the rundown, what is Delulu or Salulu? Is this uh, a big thing? No, that's I don't know what that is. All right. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, all right. We move on. We move on. Uh, I actually haven't even updated the rundown. We're, 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 we're... <laughs> Welcome to the new year, buddy. <laughs> Do it on the fly. Well, I wrote it all down on my own personal doc. Because the rundown, we, we were doing three-hour shows. I was like, oh. Gotta redo the rundown. You worked uh, through the holidays. So, plus, it's uh, it's you uh, grinded. I did. I, I usually try to take uh, time off later. No, because I my, my my holiday priorities are are low. So, if other people want to take time off, go right ahead. You you know why they call this the People Show? Why is that? Because you are a man <laughs> of the people. Look, I still got my like, days off. I just got twenty four, twenty five, twenty six off. But the Canucks played twenty three. Play 28. They play tonight on a Canucks game day. Uh, you'll hear the game at 7 o'clock uh, here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Batch and Randy with the call. TV pregame tonight as well, Dom. TV, TV, yeah, TV pregame as well, uh, which you'll catch on Sportsnet Pacific later this evening with uh, Dan and Sat. Then, yeah, myself and Sat on the postgame show this evening. And, you know, you start a new year. Everything's fresh. Uh, everything's different, and you get a chance to review what happened the year that was, get ready for the year that's coming forward. And you know, Sportsnet Stats, or Sportsnet actually, tweeted this out. Not that I asked them to do this, but I was planning on maybe a little discussion about this. And uh, sure enough, they put out a stat of, of who led the league in points for the 2023 calendar year. We focus on the seasons, but what about the entire calendar year? Well, it was Nathan McKinnon at 135, McDavid 129, Kucherov 121, uh, Pashnak, Dreisaitl, Rantanen, Jack Hughes, Artemi Panarin at 101, and the last two people to sneak into the list. Sneak. you got to put up a lot of points to get on this list. But Elias Pettersson and J.T. Miller. 101 points in the calendar year for Elias Pettersson, 100 points for J.T. Miller in 2023, the calendar year. And we start projecting what's happening forward for the rest of this year. And look, I know there's been so much focus, uh, specifically on Elias Pettersson, on on the type of year he's been having. So as I just mentioned there, so it was 36 games at the end of last year, 46, uh, or sorry, 36 games to begin this year, 46 games to end last year uh, in the calendar year. That's 101 points in an 82-game season. That's kind of what he did last year, 102 and 82. And what is he on pace for this year? 98 and 82. Take the calendar year, take last season, take this season, whichever you want to break it up. Over 82 games, Elias Pettersson is kind of a 100-point player right now. And it's been said multiple times by talking heads on this station over and over again. And I'm sure if you're in a group chat where you you know, launch it, you're like, I, I don't know, sometimes I just don't see it with Petey. 
Someone's inevitably going to say, are you crazy? This dude is putting up a 100-point season again. Or at least someone should be saying that in your group chat. Because you know, every day I, I see it, and I, just like, I, I don't know if we people really understand what's really happening with Elias Pettersson. Because you can go through this right now, and five on five, the guys who are leading the league at, at, at total points right now, at five on five. And Elias Pettersson is tied for 27th with uh, 20 even strength points on the air. And he's tied with the likes of you know Jeff Skinner, Miller, Barkov, Ehlers, Pashnak, Rantanen, Rupe Hintz. Uh, you know, there's some guys in there. And ahead of them, and as I start listing some of these players off, just think in your head, it's not even just about the one player individually. Is they have someone that is a running mate with them. Jack Eichel, Debrinkat, Braden Point, Sam Reinhart, Sidney Crosby, Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, Jake Gensel. Nikita Kucherov, McKinnon. These are the, some of the guys on the list. Now, Casey Middlestat's there. Zach Hyman's there. But you know who the running mate is for Zach Hyman. Robert Thomas is there. But you start going through this. And I, I know I've mentioned it quite often that, you know, Elias Pettersson, um, he's playing with Ilya Mikheyev and Andre Kuzmenko. And it's Kuzmenko in a down year. Last year, Kuzmenko was on an up year. And Elias Pettersson got 102 points. This year, Kuzmenko in and off of his line consistently, and Elias Pettersson's on pace for 98 points. He's regression-proof. He's circumstance-proof right now. And and that's why I don't understand any of these claims here of, look, does he need to be smash the walls down better? Okay, probably, but we can also look at this intelligently and say, yeah, he, he plays in a different environment than all those other players that I just mentioned to you, throw in Marner. But all those other players have something that helps tilt the ice in their favor as well. And right now, Elias Pettersson's shoulders a burden that is not similar to all his peers right now who are also producing at 5-on-5. Five five. And I think there's going to come a time when this needs to be addressed. Obviously, there's the, the contract focus, but this is the thing that needs to get addressed absolutely uh, to – send Elias Pettersson to the next stratosphere of what he can produce. 650-650, uh, Chef Swagger, 32 Shamati uh, back in the house. Uh, this one uh, coming in, uh, Delulu is probably slang for delusional, Avtar. That was a, a segment idea that we were thinking of. Uh, we never really put it together, but Avtar, really on it. On it completely. Uh, all right. A lot to get into throughout the course of today as Tuesdays. Don, this is why we don't need a rundown on Tuesdays. We know what's happening on Tuesdays. We talked to Mark Schofield. We talked to Yannick Hansen. He's coming up later on in the show. Uh, but let's chat with our good friend uh, from SB Nation. It does great work. He is uh, constantly busy. Uh, he is Mark Schofield. Uh, follow him on Twitter, at Mark Schofield. Uh, Mark, Happy New Year. How are you? I am doing well, Vic. Happy New Year to you and yours. Happy New Year to all the listeners that tune in for us each week. Always a blast to talk to you. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but there's there's a couple of things I want to discuss today that are a little different than what we usually do because uh, you know it, it's seldom do we get an opportunity to kind of take a pause uh, in the football season. It's such a fast blur and a grind all at the same time. So uh, we're going to do a bit more of a an open big picture discussion. But as we always do, we look back to the week that was and uh, what stood out to Mark Schofield uh, as far as holiday throws to you. Well, we can we can. Talk first a quick look at the NFL, Lamar Jackson, the touchdown pass he had to Isaiah Likely 
Um, that certainly stood out to me. He had pressure off the right edge, had to step up in the pocket to avoid a would-be sack because he had a free runner. Still able to make a perfectly placed throw, you know, left hash mark to right side, and I put it in the absolute perfect spot for a catch-and-run touchdown. Lamar, as I wrote on New Year's Day, pretty much locked up the MVP with, you know, seven touchdowns and no interceptions in games against the Niners and the Dolphins. Mm -hmm. I think that's a nice closing argument. But I do want to go down a level. I was keenly tuned into both the college playoffs and my final games on New Year's Day. Um, Okay, yeah. Just a football fan from uh, somebody that's going to be studying quarterbacks. So you got Quinn Ewers and J.J. McCarthy and Michael Penix Jr., you know, Jalen Milrow. You've got four quarterbacks that are very interested to talk about for different reasons. Michael Penix Jr., the throw that he had to split the safeties for the touchdown to McMillan, I mean, that was just absolutely perfect. I mean, and we've talked a lot about the two high safety world that we're living in right now, both at the pro and the college level. That's a throw you've got to make. And the thing that, that always has impressed me about Penix, really dating back to his game against Bo Nix in Oregon last season, that was one of my favorite games to watch a year ago, is the arm talent. When you need to dial up the fastball, he can certainly do that as he did on this play. But the touch, the placement, the accuracy to all three levels certainly stands out. I know we're going to spend a lot of time over the next coming weeks and months talking about quarterbacks in the draft. I don't know if he had a similar type of game as we saw last year. Remember Stroud's game against Georgia and how that sort of reframed the discussion around him. Right. But what Penix also did last night, I think, that really is going to stand out is he avoided pressure. You know, one of the knocks on him with the multiple knee injuries, you know, he doesn't do a ton as a runner at the quarterback position. You know, didn't have a lot of explosive plays as a runner. I think he had just one run in the regular season over 15 yards. But they used him as a runner a little bit in that game, and he showed you the ability to move around in the pocket in the face of pressure. And so I thought it was a tremendous performance from him, and we'll get to see him obviously in the national championship game against a very good Michigan defense. But that throw to McMillan to split the safeties for the touchdown, that certainly stood out to me. That, this is perfect because this is kind of what I want to talk about then, just the the changing quarterback landscape as we go into the final week of the season. And, you know, we, we got the two guys we've been talking about all season with Drake May and Caleb Williams. Here comes Jaden Daniels, the Heisman winner, who I imagine is going to get a ton of hype. Penix is a guy that's been mentioned and, and now in the highest stage is is doing it and performing. So now he gets, I imagine, he was probably already first, second round conversation. And now that's it's probably only going to go higher, I assume, right? I think so. Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network, who you know does such tremendous work year-round covering the NFL and the draft, is you know part of the NFL Network's draft coverage. You know he had a you know tweet today. I still say tweet X post. I, I don't know what we're doing with these anymore. But on Twitter, on X, he said that it will really with panics come down to the medical evaluation part because you have four serious knee injuries. Okay. And how comfortable is a team's medical staff going to be with him from a longevity standpoint? Now, we went through this last year with Hendon Hooker who had the knee injury right before the draft, and there was a thought, oh, do you draft him and redshirt him? You know, what do you do with a quarterback like that? And he sort of fell later into day two. I think Penix, for me, Penix was already in that QB3 discussion. Jaden Daniels. Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, and probably the three there to really keep an eye on. But this was, a definitely, was definitely a tremendous performance from him. And I think 
provided the medical piece checks out for a team, they'll be comfortable taking them in the first round, particularly after that performance. And I think the other thing to sort of keep in mind with, you know, and this is something that we've talked about before about older prospects at the quarterback position is we're not in the era of you draft somebody and they sit for years. So if you've got a 24-year-old prospect, they don't, it's not a situation where they're not going to see the field until they're 27. You're drafting somebody to play them pretty early. It's not right away. And so somebody with a knee injury, if the medical staff is like, well, you might only get five years out of them, well, that's your rookie contract. I mean, you could still see a scenario where if a team is iffy on the medical side of it, they might just still love the prospect side of it. And so it will be a fascinating discussion. Obviously, I don't get, you know, I won't have access to the medicals, but from the the between-the-line stuff, there's really a lot to like about it. Because this season in the NFL, and and look, some of it is circumstance, some of it is injury, and some of it is offensive line issues, but the quarterback position and and the quarterback landscape has devolved a lot uh, to the point that, you know, like we we, we can – Talk about the landscape here, and like in in Denver was a spot we haven't even had a chance to talk about with Russell Wilson. Pittsburgh looks like a spot, so I kind of want to do this touring around the league of kind of like a hold and stay right now for for you. Uh, so let's start. Uh, I'll, I'll start with Pittsburgh right now. Is is it a hold or a, a change for you in Pittsburgh? I mean, I think it's a hold. Um, you know, we'll see what Mason Rudolph does here in Week 18 because you know the conversation seems to have turned from. You know, Kenny Pickett's injured and banged up, so we have to do something else, too. Yeah, he, he's basically healthy, but we're in a position now where we trust for who we have right now in Mason Rudolph to win us games that are must-win games. No, no, hang and on. Hang on. Right, but you're not taking Mason Rudolph into next year, are you? No, but I, I think it's a scenario where they may feel comfortable with Rudolph and Kenny Pickett to sort of sort it out next year. Interesting. It's not a situation where I think they're going to turn the job over to him. I think if Rudolph, you know, has a sort of a meltdown performance, then they might look at, okay, who's going to be available, say, on day two? Because I don't know if you go quarterback round one so quickly, but you might feel more comfortable doing quarterback round two. If a Michael Penix Jr., for example, is there staring you in the face, whenever they're on the clock in the second round, you might feel comfortable about going down that road. And they may still do that anyway. But I don't think it's a, they have to draft a quarterback in the first round discussion for Pittsburgh, particularly because where they're going to be at in the first round, even if they miss out of the playoffs, they're probably out of the mix for the quarterbacks that we know will go in the top first round of the draft. Uh, Tennessee, they've drafted two quarterbacks the last two years. Are they going to do it a third time? I don't think they do it a third time. Right. I mean, I, I think Will Levis has shown you enough that you could probably go into next year saying, you know what, we'll give him a year to sort of turn things around here. Because it does look like that's the organization in the middle of a rebound, but haven't dipped into that quarterback market so frequently these past few draft cycles. I find it hard to say they'll do it again, given the other needs that they have. They have needs beyond the quarterback position now. And I think they're in a mind frame of we're going to add another piece around the quarterback with that first-round pick rather than a quarterback again. Uh, Las Vegas, uh, hold or change? I, I, th- I think it's a change. I mean, A.L. O'Connell has been okay, but I think they're still going to dip into the quarterback market, whether they'll be in range of one of the top three or four guys remains to be seen. Well, I was going to ask, is, 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 is it draft or free agency? Because I feel like you could make the argument either way for them. I mean... 
I, I heard this prospect floated out there. Would they, would they be the team to trade for Justin Fields? Because if Chicago, you know, and there was discussion, there was some reporting today that a second or third might be the return for Justin Fields, maybe a third that, you know, conditional third that could bump up to a second, depending on how much he plays. That might be a good landing spot for him. You know, if you bring back Antonio Pierce, you get a good offensive coordinator in there, somebody that maybe has some background of quarterback development. You know, maybe that's an opportunity for Justin Fields. So I, I think draft slash trade might be where they go. Uh, New England, uh, that one feels obvious. I mean, it, I certainly feel that it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, move situation. Yeah, okay. Now, my hope is that it's done via the draft at the top of the first round. You know, they'll be picking anywhere from two to five, depending on this final week of the season mm-hmm. sort of short, say, shakes itself out. The fear in the back of my mind is that they continue with Bill Belichick, and we know Bill Belichick does his own thing from time to time. And they're the team that goes down the free agent market instead of drafting a quarterback. They decide, you know what, mm-hmm. Easton Stick showed us something down the stretch here. Or they trade for a Daniel Jones, or they trade for a Gardner Minshew, and they draft the tackle you all from uh, Notre Dame, for example, or the tackle from Penn State, and go in a completely different direction. My hope is that they draft, and they draft more of Caleb or Drake May. But if they keep Bill Belichick in, look, I think there's a chance that does happen. I could see that sort of scenario playing itself out. Uh, okay, we got a few more teams to get through here, so uh, let's just rattle them off. It, assuming it's Kirk Cousins, Minnesota, hold or change? Hold. I mean, yeah, I would have thought I, they would have moved on, but I think what they saw down the stretch without him, they're going to keep Kirk Cousins. I, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that one. I, I changed my yeah. tune on, the, on that one. Uh, you mentioned Daniel Jones there, so I imagine you've got thoughts on that one. I feel like the Giants could go one of two ways. They could decide that, look, you know, Daniel Jones it just didn't work this year. He took a big step back, and so we need to reset at the quarterback position. Or they could say, look, we need to just continue to help him the best we can. I mean, we're in, you know, year five, going up to year six now, the Daniel Jones experience. Like, I don't know how much longer you keep running that back, but they could talk themselves into holding with him. Atlanta? Could that be a Russell Wilson destination? Could it? I mean, they're, they're moving on from Desmond Ritter. I think yeah. that's plausible. Okay. Justin Fields could be a good landing spot there, but, you know, I, it was floated to me that the idea of Russell Wilson in Atlanta, and I think that could work. Okay, forget the rumors of, like, where landing spots. What, what, what three places make sense for you for Russell Wilson? Like, from a football marriage standpoint. I mean, from a football marriage standpoint, I do think Atlanta works schematically because obviously there's stuff that you can do in the passing game with him right now that works, and you've got weapons, and when he's comfortable, he's accurate. Now, as we saw sort of at the end of his time in Denver here, you know, he did get skittish. He did start dropping his eyes. It was very uncharacteristic for him, but if you get him in an environment where he's comfortable, I think that would make some sense. New Orleans could work. That's another scenario that could sort of work from a schematic standpoint because that offense is still very much rooted in quick game stuff, getting it out of his hands quickly. And I think Wilson can kind of do that. I I think it just didn't mess with him and Peyton. That might have been more of a personality conflict than anything else. And Los Angeles and Chargers. I mean, Kellen Moore 
could, I mean, actually, you know what? That actually makes no sense now that I think about it because you get Justin <laughs> Herbert there. So yeah. Take that one off the board. Um, okay, okay. No, that, 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 yeah. That's great. Um, uh, where are we at here? Uh, we just did uh, Atlanta. New Orleans, you mentioned them, obviously, with, with Russell Wilson destinations. So that's a change for you, I imagine? Yeah, that feels like a change. That didn't work. And we thought the Derek Carr thing was going to completely work and click and they were going to be the best team in the division because of that. It hasn't. Now they can still get themselves into the playoffs. But at some point, that organization needs to sort of rip the Band-Aid off here, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, they're, 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 at some point the bill is that they've been kicking down the road. It's going to come due. And maybe this will be the time this offseason when they decide to do the reset. Now maybe Russell Wilson isn't sort of conducive to that. But I do think this is a move situation. Uh, so last two here. Just give me the, the declaration on it. Um, Washington, and I'm going to throw them in there just because they might have a high pick, but Arizona. Washington's a move. Arizona's a hold. I, I think Kyler has shown that, look, you keep Kyler, you draft Marvin Harrison Jr., and I think you're off and running for next year. So we basically just listed like seven, eight teams there. That should change. Yeah. It, it could be a pretty wacky, and this was the same thing last year. It could be a very wacky quarterback movement you know, offseason. Uh, well, it's going to be fascinating uh, to watch, see how it all plays out here. We'll get ready for Week 18, which is always uh, you know, holding change as well. Who's starting, who's sitting, who's, who's got motivations, who doesn't. Uh, so it should be a fun final conclusion to the season, and uh, we got looking forward to the playoffs next week, pal. Thanks so much, my friend. Always a blast. Enjoy the games this week. There's a guy, Mark Schofield, as he gets ready for a week 18, and we do this throughout the course of the year, and it uh, generates a lot of reaction from you and fans of uh, those respective teams. It's Bix Best, the NFL Power Ranks, on a Tuesday. And it is the final, or at least the regular season version of it. Uh, I guess we don't really need to do it for the playoffs. We, 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 we know which teams are in the playoffs. So let's start at number 10, Detroit Lions. Tough loss. I feel like they should be higher, but they pick up these losses in these spots. And I know referee controversy at the end of it. Uh, I, I just don't know if they're in that highest class just yet. With someone, uh, I have the Rams sitting at number nine. They got one of the most profound running games. They got a quarterback dealing right now. And so there's just a little bit of an offensive edge to the Rams that I think the Lions are missing. Uh, defensively a little bit better than the Rams, but the Rams right now with Kyron Williams, everything that's working with them, and then you throw in Matt Stafford, how well he's playing. I don't know if they're the true, you know, in the Super Bowl circle, but right now the Rams have earned their nine spot. But it shows the, the depth this year uh, isn't, uh, the high-end depth isn't as great for the NFL this year. Eagles at number eight. Look, they got to win a game at some point. This is bad right now for the Philadelphia Eagles. Had him previously as high as two, number one even, I think, at one point this year. And now you're losing to Arizona. They haven't won in a month. It's bad right now for the Eagles. They're at number eight. Chiefs get back on track a little bit. They're at number seven. But the last two, the Super Bowl, seven and eight right now. Dolphins at number six. It's a tough loss. I wouldn't worry too much about uh, losing to the Ravens by that margin. Uh, But we've seen this from the Dolphins. They go up in class. They can be on the wrong side of it. Cleveland Browns at number five. Joe Flacco is the fifth best team right now. Uh, It's the defense for me that is doing it. The offense has found something. I can't believe it. It floors me every time, but they got the best something. They got the best defense right now in the league, and it's unbelievable uh, what the Browns are doing. Cowboys, number four. Bills at number three. They eke one out. They keep their uh, 
division hopes alive. Uh, a chance this weekend, uh, week 18, to, to wrap that one up uh, for the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen's playing amazing. Uh, he would be in the MVP discussion if it wasn't for Lamar Jackson. Uh, in the final two, you know him. It's the 49ers, and it is the Baltimore Ravens. Sitting at number one, look what the Ravens have been doing here recently. Lamar has been absolutely dealing against some good competition. Uh, he's your MVP. He's on the best team in the league, and the Ravens going to the final week are your power rank champions. On the other side, we talk to him every Tuesday last year. We'll do it again this year. Uh, it is Yannick Hansen. His thoughts on everything going on with the Vancouver Canucks, Elias Patterson, and Petey got himself in a new role, looks like, on the power play. We'll talk about that with Yannick Hansen, longtime NHL or former Vancouver Canuck, uh, coming up here on the show on Sportsnet 650.